the guys that are telling people to eat less carbohydrates, they're saying something that's unpopular. Anyone who tells you to eat less carbohydrates is probably somebody you should follow because that person is number one, correct. Number two, saying something that is massively unpopular. Yeah. Like you're going to lose followers by saying people can't have, or they shouldn't be having, or they should have the least amount possible of candy and cookies and, and yep. cake. You know, why would you say that? There's only right. one reason, because right. it's true. It's uncomfortably accurate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that. I'm going to use that. Uncomfortably accurate. It. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. We're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends podcast. Today, I'm making friends with Dr. John Jayquish. How's it going, man? Welcome to the show. It's fantastic. Thanks for having me. This yes, is sir. Fun. Yes, yeah. sir. I'm glad to get you in the air-conditioned room after you've been yeah. braving the heat of the Las Vegas summer. It's uh, The air conditioning is nice. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. But you're talking about going to Arizona after this, which is even hotter. Yeah. Here. Yep. They they have melted trash cans there. You ever seen the, the standard green trash cans like start to slightly bend and kind of crumple? Yeah. Yeah, and like you got to get over 120, and they, they've had a couple of days like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I was going to say Vegas gets like 115, 116, which is already too damn hot to be clear. Too damn hot. Yeah. But I was in Bullhead City, Arizona, which is where yeah. um, Lake Mojave is by border of Laughlin, you know? Yeah. yeah. We were there for a houseboat trip with my family for a few years back. Yeah. Dude, it was 126. And I was uh, like, this shouldn't be allowed on the planet. No. <laughs> this is too hot. Like we should yeah. not exist here right now. This is ridiculous. Heat kills yeah. a lot more people than cold. Does it? Yeah. And really? that surprises everyone when oh, you yeah, think no about kidding. it. Yeah. We can survive cold very well. Hmm. It doesn't mean it's comfortable. I was going to say, is that the reason for all the cold plunge stuff that's happening right now? Uh, no. The cold plunge stuff is really all about hype. Really? Yeah. It's it. There have been I'd love to two hear more about great that. Yeah. studies that have come out recently that really... It shows that it doesn't enhance your recovery ability at all. Hmm. It does take away inflammation markers that cause growth. So that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of people, and, and of course, there is a tiny effect on brown fat. Okay. So, like, you drop temperature low enough. The idea is that you, if you can form an ice crystal in fat, the ice crystals are shaped in a way where they puncture the cell membrane of some of the fat cells and force them to metabolize because mm -hmm. once they don't have a cell membrane anymore, you know, they're just sort of free flowing in the circulatory system. That claim is marginally true, but brutally exaggerated by mm -hmm. the people who sell, who sell cold, cold therapy <laughs> stuff. I like cold therapy. I would do cold therapy if I had a cold plunge, I would have to get my wife's buy-in. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good luck. So right, you know, I mean, like, I, I will, I will spend those chips where I have to. I'm not going to yeah. spend it on a cold plunge. on a cold plunge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, I mean, if we build a, you know, a nice big like house, the, like there is improvement, sure. but like not a fifteen thousand dollar cold plunge in your it, basement improvement. Here's right, exactly. Like to me, it's worth it if the money it's going to cost is nothing to you, and if you want to basically replace your morning coffee with a cold plunge. Mm. Because to start the day, to get circulation going, it's awesome. Yeah. 
absolutely better blood flow, better than the vasoconstriction provided by caffeine, which also has a couple of downsides. So like I'm 50-50, I especially am very aware of some of the downsides of caffeine because I had an H. pylori infection for seven years. You probably don't know what that is. Yeah, please explain. No one in America knows. In fact, American doctors don't even know what it is. I was going to say, my naturopathic doctor talks about it fairly frequently. But Oh, uh, okay. Well, But I'd love an explanation, though. So it's a bacteria, lives in your stomach. It consumes the mucous membrane of the human stomach, Mm. also animal stomachs. But basically, it just makes you, like, bloated like you wouldn't believe and, I mean, I was to the point where I had trouble breathing. So it, like, damaged your gut microbiome? It's not a microbiome thing. That's before okay. we get to the microbiome. It's the okay. stomach. Got it. It doesn't seem to have much of a, a knock-on effect into the rest of the digestive system. But uh, having ulcers all over the lining of your stomach really sucks. Mm. And it is very limiting. And it takes years to heal from it. And there was a correlation for you between that and caffeine. caffeine. So caffeine really brutalizes these ulcers Mm, so you've got to like either like massively limit and dilute or eliminate so like you know i have a pre-workout called imperium Mm -hmm. i make that shit so diluted that it's like i'll drink a liter of water for like a quarter of scoop Mm -hmm. and like that's the only way i'll like get you know some so i've like i become a low caffeine guy not by choice okay just you know kind of like forced do you do anything else for like energy boosts or most of the stuff up there like is just bullshit? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah, it is <laughs> a lot of like energy drinks. It's like, like you want to believe it so much. Of course. So, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, that's why people buy most stuff because <laughs> right, they right. want to believe it. Right. And they're which looking is for tough. the reasons to justify their decision they've already made. Every listener like who's doing something entrepreneurial needs to consider the fact that no matter what their claim is, people are initially going to say bullshit Mm. because most of the stuff out there is kind of wishful thinking or what people want to hear. The majority of nutrition programs, like a lot lot of different influencers that have like, you know, sign up for my 12-week program. I'm going to totally change your nutrition. You're going to live a better lifestyle. And don't worry, you get to eat pizza and donuts. And it's like, right, it's just telling people what they want to hear. And then, of course, they get into the material and then they're like, oh, I can have like a piece of pizza once a month. Yeah. Or and that's not this, what they wanted to hear. Or so I have this gross keto cookie that doesn't taste like a cookie. Right. It yeah. tastes more like algae or yeah. something, which is probably made of algae. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's not made of cookie. I'll yeah. Tell you yeah. It's not a cookie. It's whatever. But yeah. I think yeah, I'd rather just have a cookie. And it's, it's so like much of a struggle. Look how much people love the stuff that they want to hear. Yeah. We are at a place in society where people would pick a news channel and I'll just say what I'm thinking, you know, they watch CNN. Mm-hmm. Almost everything on CNN is an absolute lie. Almost everything. Yet people still choose to only immerse themselves in CNN because it's like it's the news they want. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to believe orange man bad, they want to believe, you know, I don't really ha- I'm not a I'm not, I don't have a side in this argument. Yeah, yeah. Like when it comes to science, it, it's to you me, know, it's, it's just it's, like I don't, me, I don't give a shit who wins president. But yeah, well, it's, also, to me, it's always would, like the polar opposite sides tend to be that way almost exclusively because they're it, only getting their information from this one thing, this right. one source, and they only talk to other people who agree with that. that Total source echo as well. chamber behavior. Yeah, they create yeah. this world that exists only for them. 
only and, for them and it's not true anyway not true. Right. and yeah and actually both sides do that same yeah. thing yeah but like you know cnn is just like an example of like sure. where like you can demonstrate how almost everything yeah. they say is false yet they run with that ball all right. day every day and right. it's like who's watching this crap <laughs> uh yeah like apparently well, like decent I, amount of people i was gonna say a decreasing number though because their ratings keep going right, down right, all the time right. you well know? you know it it probably sucks for the people that really want to believe in sure yeah. You know, like what the current president has said, but then the economy keeps getting worse and worse and worse despite everything the guy's saying. So it's like, okay, you're wrong. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, but you know, they're not going to wave the flag and say, yeah. excuse me, I was wrong about everything. Like, right. No, exactly. they're not going to exactly. do that. Exactly. That doesn't yeah. feel good. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and when it comes to a lot of science and nutrition stuff, like it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the guys that are telling people to eat less carbohydrates, they're saying something that's unpopular. Mm. Like, Anyone who tells you to eat less carbohydrates is probably somebody you should follow hmm. because that person is, number one, correct. Number two, saying something that is massively unpopular. Yeah. Like you're going to lose followers by saying people can't have or they shouldn't be having or they should have the least amount possible of candy and cookies and, and yeah. cake. You know, like, why would you say that? There's only right. one reason. Because it's right. true. It's uncomfortably accurate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that. I'm going to use that. Uncomfortably <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing, man. I, I have uh, down a good amount of weight this year myself. And every year, it feels like I kind of started from the same spot. And what would happen was I get really disciplined for like really short stints of time. Mm -hmm. And then you start, you know, buying all the bullshit of like 90 days this and 12 weeks this and 75 this and 60 that and 30 sure. this. And it's like, cool, I'll do that. But the right. problem is, is like that is also, even if you do the hard work and the discipline of maintaining that plan during that period of time, yeah. the bottom line, for me anyway, I didn't get to the point where, I'm, where I am now, where I'm about 11% body fat right now, probably start of the year around like 26, 27. Oh, wow. Um, you must feel and, so much better. Oh, completely. Yeah. Totally oh, congratulations. different. Congratulations. But like I got to that point because I finally decided to do the hard work. Is like my, my point is like yeah. I, I was telling myself it was hard because it's not easy to do something like 75 hard or whatever. And I'm not trying to bash yeah. any of those programs in particular. I'm just saying that like conceptually they make sense because they they force you to discipline yourself for a period of time. But the bottom line is for me, and I think for most people, is you have to figure out what's going to work for you. And the only way to do that is to work hard on figuring out what works for you in your body, in yourself, and your lifestyle. Like there's right. so many other questions to ask. Well, how, how often do you travel? How often do you eat out? Mm. What do you eat when you eat out? Where do you like what are you putting in your body when you're at home? Do you have a routine that you're in? How much water you're drinking? Do you drink alcohol? Are right. you going to parties where alcohol is served? Like there's right. so many other questions you have to answer. But for me, it just came down to like, well, I'm doing 45 days this, but then 45 days is up, and I still don't have any other information about how my body actually right. processes any of the stuff I'm putting in those in those like the programs that have a day limit they're almost designed for for you to fail because yeah. it's not a lifestyle right it's exactly. just it's a challenge That's bottom line yeah well no no one ever got healthy from a challenge like mm -hmm. look at anybody who wins a, a medal at the olympics it's like oh did you do a 45 day challenge <laughs> right. to get here no, they've been training their whole life. It was a 17-year challenge. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's a lifestyle. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, I'm going to eat the absolute optimum nutrition. Right. I'm, you know, going to take the supplements I need to take, if any. Yeah. I'm going to train as absolutely hard as I can for the specific amount of time. One thing I love about pro athletes is they, they know what overtraining is and they don't mm. do it. Mm. So, like, whereas it, when you come to the, just sort of the regular population, you know, first of all, they bear the mark of the last truck that hit them. 
Yeah. Meaning the sure. last article they read, it's like, oh, I'm doing that. I'm keto, and I'm baby. Gonna con- <laughs> I'm going to combine it. Yeah, I met somebody, it was a couple years ago. It was like, it was one of the stupidest conversations I've ever had. S- saw somebody in the airport and he says, I'm following your advice, but I'm combining it with like the South Beach diet. And I'm thinking that's the most contradictory. Yeah, but so that means you're the not South following Beach my diet life. is just basically how to be a lard ass. Um, <laughs> it's basically like bread and salad and nothing else. Yeah. Like, okay. And lots of cardio, probably. No, they didn't really say much about okay. that. But I mean, ultimately, you can eat crap food and yeah. just eat a tiny amount of it. And are you going to lose body fat? Yeah, you'll also lose a ton of muscle. Sure. But they don't say that part. So, and not to I mention was like, you'll lose feeling good. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but so like, many people don't realize what feeling good is. Mm, that's very true. They don't, they don't know. Yeah. It's like once you're carnivore, yeah. if you go off carnivore for like a weekend, you're like, God, I feel awful. And then you yeah. realize this awful that I feel, this is every day for everyone mm. except yeah. normally me. Exactly. Yeah. And then so when, then when you go back, you're like really appreciate it. You're like, oh my God. You start realizing that a ton of like the conditions you thought you had were really just a matter of yeah, inflammation, chronic yeah, inflammation. inflammation or like you just didn't give your body enough nutrition or you're eating too much of that thing and your body is naked reacting to that. And yeah. it's like, oh, well, that wasn't a condition at all. It was just I was drinking yeah, half I was just, a gallon of milk a day, I was just and my body eating didn't like that. Like yeah. an unsupervised child. Yeah, but you go to the doctor, and they're like, right. "You have IBS. Take this medication." And it's just like, "Oh, right. now I'm mixing in all these chemicals and other medication in my body That's with the right. stuff that I was already putting in my body that I wasn't supposed to be putting in my body." Right. It's you know, it's amazing how it's like non- a cocktail of right. poison, like chronic diseases, really aren't that chronic at all. Yeah. Like you can make them all go away. Yeah. You just gotta stop eating carbohydrates it's like the same answer to every question yeah 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 i mean if if your diet is mostly meat you're mostly going to have zero problems hmm. interesting yeah do you recommend a i've heard i've heard from multiple people now that like a a carnivore diet or like re- restricting everything but maybe even even red meat in particular is like the best elimination diet that you can do to figure out like what's going on in your body do you recommend that to, to folks yeah no so it's like elimination diet to find out what you react poorly to. That's the point of a, an elimination diet. But mm-hmm. the problem is pretty much everybody reacts poorly to anything other than animal protein. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, to a degree. Okay. I mean, like for me, I react poorly to dairy because I'm allergic to casein. But other people aren't. So mm-hmm. like that side of that elimination exercise could benefit them. But just from a scientific standpoint, pretty much all carbohydrates contain lectins, phylates, oxalates that are chronic cellular inflammatories. Like Hmm. you're going to be inflamed. Inflammation is, we have the greatest link between inflammation and cancer, Hmm. as well as type 2 diabetes and heart disease. So those are the three biggest killers if you take medical error off the list, which almost every news station does, because they don't want you to know about that one. That's actually the third killer, biggest killer. You do want to eat carbs though right like no. they're still not at all yeah i used to say limited okay but like i was recently at the hard to kill summit with dr sean o'mara okay and you know ultimately there's a great meta-analysis that was yeah let me, let me say this part first great meta-analysis one of the authors was professor uh, menno henselman's really smart guy i think he's teaching at cambridge now i did a uh 
this is sort of a video podcast. Like, I, I don't really have a podcast. I have this show called um, Falsehoods of Fitness, okay. which is probably every like two months, some somebody says something and it becomes like a trend and it's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, here's the science that completely defeats that. Yeah. And it's just, you know, then, then, then a couple other people will do like the same kind of video. It's kind of an as needed show. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Professor Henselman's wrote with a bunch of other colleagues, a paper about how carbohydrate needs are grossly over-exaggerated because it used to be like, you know, you want to have like around 100 and then mm. you read another paper, you want to have like 60. Another one will say like 200 is best if you're an endurance athlete or 150 if you're a strength athlete. And these numbers were based on observations with no comparisons, gotcha. right? So it's like these athletes did this and it was great. Or they just compared two random numbers. Like they picked 50 for one group and 150 for another. Mm. And they said they did the same, you know? Okay. So it's like, oh, okay, so what do we know from this? Nothing. So they looked at the, the glucose glycogen usage and they really found out that the body doesn't use much. Mm. So the idea of like carving up. Yeah. Yeah, for a person who weighs 100 kilos, it's 0.3 per kilo. Mm. So I only need 30 grams to yeah. carb up. Yeah. Which is which is like a half a sandwich. Nothing. <laughs> it's like a half a sandwich. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if, if your body weight's lower, like for my wife, it's more like 15 mm. uh, grams. And and, they, and there was actually no differences between genders. Okay. In that, and that was a big meta-analysis. I want to say like... 50 to 75 papers were analyzed in this. What about a difference between so, like type of carbohydrate? Like if you're eating complex carbs or if you're eating bread versus eating whatever, asparagus or something like that. Okay, I'll answer that. And then I want to go back to the Sean O'Mara thing. Okay, yeah. So the slower you digest a carbohydrate, the less of it is likely to be stored. Now, of course, there is an energy balance thing. I won't use the word calories because that word is idiotic. It's a unit of heat measurement. I know everybody uses it. It's totally fucking wrong. Mm. That's like saying how many degrees Fahrenheit are you eating today? <laughs> like literally we could convert calories to degrees Fahrenheit. Like if I asked that question, you look at me like I had two heads. Yeah. So there's an energy balance issue. Yeah. But the way we calculate energy, we still count calories from protein. But we shouldn't because your body has no ability to store protein as body fat. None whatsoever. Hmm. Which is why when you eat a ton of protein, your body temperature goes up. Interesting. Yeah. Like you notice like you have a big steak for dinner and then you just start sweating at night. Like, mm. Yeah, it's so Get hot. the meat sweats. Meat sweats. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thermogenic effect of overeating, you know, how much protein your body can use. Interesting. But it can't be stored. Which is why people on the carnivore diet, it's it's a decent weight loss diet, but it's a really awesome diet for people who don't want to count their calories, but also don't want to put on body fat because you basically won't. Mm, interesting. And there's some arguments of how much fats you need. Sure. And that science is not, there's not a good equivalent of that carbohydrate meta-analysis that Professor Henselman did for fat yeah. to really figure out. So like some people will go for leaner cuts of meats. I always feel better on fattier cuts of meat. So I pretty much only eat ribeyes. Okay. But like my wife likes chicken. Sure. And, you know, <clears throat> chicken nights, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll eat some liverwurst before dinner. Yeah, so yeah. I, you know, I get some fat in my system. The first time I started hearing about this, I think, was with Michaela Peterson yeah. and Jordan Peterson. I think they kind of really widely popularized. I think there's a lot of people that were probably already doing it. But then when somebody who's well-known all of a sudden yeah. gets 
you know, crucified for doing it. Right. Essentially, it was like a whoa, whoa, hey, 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 well, let's let's learn about this a little bit more before we just start. Sure. And and I think you know they did it out of necessity. Her yeah. with her rheumatoid arthritis, Professor Peterson with just some of the psychological challenges that come with chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's heavily linked to depression. Mm. So and like he would tell you that any amount of carbohydrates will make you depressed. The more carbohydrates you have, the more depressed you'll be. Removing carbohydrates completely from the diet will keep you from depression. But he says, you never cheat. You never have a gram of carbohydrates. Now that's extreme. Mm. Also, there are carbohydrates in meat in small amounts. Like Mm. there's muscle glycogen in the muscle meat of animals. So, you know, is it really zero or is it close to zero? But the moment I was waiting for because it's like, okay, do we recommend people have low carbohydrates or no carbohydrates? Like, I'd really like an answer. Now, ultimately, people are going to do what they're going to do. So I think you have to have sort of an option for people who are willing to go a little bit lower, but not cut them out completely because sure. they're just unwilling. Sure. So unwilling is unwilling. Like, I'm not going to change their mind. Yeah. But then there's people who want to have the absolute maximum results and really don't, really don't care about taste. Hmm. Like, I want to be the best. And, you know, when it comes to what they eat, it's a, just a worthwhile sacrifice for them. Yeah. So like, here's the options. Right. Yeah, yeah. So Sean Amara, I think he has the smartest approach to looking at general health. The ultimate marker he looks at is visceral fat. Mm. So the fat that is between organs in sort of the middle of your body. Because, you know, some people have like a gut, but it's not like a roll of soft fat. Mm-hmm. It's like hard. Yeah. It's a keg. It, yeah, it's a keg. It's not right. six pack. It's right. Keg. Yeah. It's because on the inside, they have fat pushing all of their organs and their abdomen outward. Mm. So visceral fat, it's highly linked to all chronic diseases I mentioned earlier. Sort of the worse your visceral fat is, the worse those things, you know, type 2 diabetes, cancer, and heart disease are all like on that list, like heavily tied. Mm. So I wouldn't say there's a causation relationship there okay. isn't but there is like the correlation certainly is correlation. super heavy yeah, yeah, yeah. and right like anybody who's got any of those problems like like i had a fraternity brother who was a really slim guy mm-hmm. and but he would eat trash mm-hmm. just nothing but like it was like pasta like he was really the whole like oh meat's bad for you so i'm just gonna have a bowl of pasta every night and he's like it's cheaper anyway so you know he's at my fraternity house and i gotta listen to the food pyramid like, man <laughs> well right yeah the food pyramid got him because yeah. he's diabetic Oh, and he was when we were very young. And he's like, but I'm not fat. Yeah. And I thought back, I'm like, I, bet his, so I bet his visceral fat was significant. Yeah. So, so Dr. Omara, he, he's been doing these analyses for years, just looking at visceral fat. And he says, the, he keeps saying that the only thing that really drives visceral fat down to levels where you're truly healthy is carnivore without any, any cheating or huh. anything like that. Interesting. And so I actually got the chance to ask him on stage. We were on a panel and I'm like, I'm like, I have a question for Dr. Omar. He was sitting right next to me. And I said, to be absolutely optimal, to have the best visceral fat, how many, on average, grams of carbohydrates per day should people be taking in? And I could see the look on his face because he just did (laughs) not want to answer that question. (laughs) I was like, yeah. I don't want to tell anybody what to do. And he goes, well, he says, I'll I'll tell you. And he pauses because he knows. like, He says, the answer is zero. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, like, 
I didn't even really want to hear that. Sure. Like, yeah, there's stuff like sometimes I like some sauce on my steak. Yeah. You know, and sometimes there's a little bit of sugar in that. I used to love eating ribs until I found out what the hell they do to ribs. <laughs> and then it's just like, I can never eat ribs Don't again. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like they're, they just, just drench it and like, yeah, basically melted Snickers bars. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, it was like such a bummer when I, when I figured that out. So but, if you're going to cheat on your diet, what do you, what's your go-to? I just don't. Don't. I mean, I suppose like my wife just had like a kind of a fitness figure kind of competition. Yeah. We went out to dinner and I had a bite of a couple things that I would never normally eat. Yeah. So that's, that's it. But still, you know, I mean, I might be like under 50 grams. So you're mostly just, you're mostly just eating protein, lean yeah. meat, yeah. fatty like, meat. Usually my order at a restaurant is like a 40 ounce ribeye. Okay. Like a tomahawk or something. What about having like eggs in the morning, stuff like that? Eggs, eggs are, are good, right? Eggs are amazing. Yeah. I typically do one or two meals a day. Okay. Just because I travel busy. a lot. Yeah, busy. sure. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what I've gotten down I, to. Yeah. I definitely prefer two meals a day. It's okay. much more comfortable. Sure. Because like, you know, sometimes going over 40 ounces, like I might have like a like a 60 ounce steak. Like that last 10 ounces, I do not love. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. <laughs> and hey, Dr. Sean Baker always says, like, eat steak like it's your job. Mm. Like you're trying to fuel <clears throat> growth. You're trying to be the absolute best. And that comes gonna, from nutrition. I'm going to get that quote printed out somewhere, put it somewhere. Yeah, put that eat, on the wall Eat somewhere. steak like it's your job. That's something I can do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And if you think of it that way, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, another thing I really enjoy is fasting. Yeah. Like when I want to cut body fat, there's no easier way to do it. There's a lot of great research out there about fasting. It shows you some of the benefits that you get with fasting that you don't get with calorie restriction. But there's some zealots out there who are just like, no, calorie restriction is absolutely superior. Eating makes you hungry. Mm, that's, that's true. Which is why <laughs> when true. you eat, you should eat until you're full. Yeah. This whole like small eating, small meals, it's just torture. Mm. Like I hate it. And it doesn't work very well. And any study that comes up with a contradictory answer to that, I really question the methods. Because hmm. there are some that say, oh, if people had just as easy of a time sticking with calorie restriction than they did with fasting, and I'm just thinking, no. Yeah. Like, I, I, they did the study wrong. I don't know what they did wrong. Then, of course, there are also fasting studies that say fasting doesn't work, where the fasting group ate 600 calories a day. How's that fasting? Yeah, right. Yeah, so they just basically lied in the I title saw, of the study. I saw this advertisement the other day for a, a fasting bar. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what are we doing here? Right. <laughs> I, like, I know like, I know. maybe technically it doesn't break the fast or whatever, but it's like, if you're going to fast, just fast. Here's the like, here, yeah, here's, like, here's here's fasting thing, bar like, for you. It's just when, an empty wrapper. Uh, when, when you come across, right, it'd be great if there's nothing <laughs> yeah. in it. Or just a rock. You just, you're, throw this rock in the pond. Yeah. Amuse good yourself with something besides food. Yeah. But anyway, fasting. So, yeah. that, I mean, that's been my MO for, like, the duration of, of the year for me. It, it's was, so was much cutting. easier. It's definitely, that was the big thing for me, Matt, because, like, I travel a lot, and it's it's so almost impossible for me to follow a specific diet or a specific meal plan while I'm traveling. It's just, it. Everything is more difficult about it. You right. gotta either either you're gonna pack a bunch of meals in a, like a cooler, but I like to travel light with a carry on and nothing else. So yeah, me too. like, how does that work? Yeah, and then I, if you're gonna go eat out, exactly it's like, what are you gonna do? Nothing. Can I get a piece of meat, no seasoning, nothing else on the side, just that? You know, it's just there's so much more work to be done. So when I travel now, I just and also like, when I you're in dinner, another country by and, you, and you ask for that, yeah, and then then sometimes then you'll get like 
a plate with like one piece of lunch meat on it that's <laughs> like a half an ounce, and they charge you like twenty five dollars for yeah. it, and you're like, it's like that do you is really not what think I that's this <laughs> what I asked for? Yeah. yeah, just easier, just easier for just you just easier. to be like, just you know what, forget it. No food till dinner, and then I'll go to dinner and I'll grab something at well, dinner that I know will be good. So, so I tell people when it comes to fasting, don't tell yourself you're eating nothing. You are eating. You're eating the Krispy Kreme donut you had when you were eight years old. <laughs> that's been on your fat fucking face your whole life. <laughs> so let's get rid of that. And you're yeah. still eating, so don't act like you're hungry. Don't cry yeah. like a bitch. Like, just do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely been the the thing for me this year. Has been just like, you know what? I'm just gonna fast more often than not. But like, so kind of like you said, I I kind of just it sounds cliche, but I just listen to my body. It's like yeah. if I feel like I'm getting weak, or if, or if my workout at the gym wasn't that good, or whatever, then like, oh, I'll have two meals instead of one meal, right? Or or throw in a protein shake sure. or whatever, some jerky or something like that. Sure. But like. It, for the most part, it's been it's been helpful and it's been effective. Totally. But I, I want to go back in time here, John, because we've been talking about some really practical, tactical things. But I want to go back in to kind of build some context around, like, okay, for, for somebody listening who doesn't know who you are, but like, why should I listen to this guy's opinion on nutrition? So let's take take a you know trip back in time here. Let's say a uh, ten year old, eleven year old John set the scene for us. Where were you? What was life like? You know, parents, what were they doing? Stuff like that. Ten. Well, I don't know. These stories that interesting when I was ten. <laughs> Boy, I think I broke all the Cub Scout and Boy Scout fitness records. There you go. So you're always in fitness. Yeah, okay. always like being fast, way? strong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my mom was a great tennis player. My okay. dad, he was a sprinter, and then he. Was- this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over one hundred and forty million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. I stayed pretty athletic. What do you do for work? Jeez, my dad, I, I, I could give you an hour lecture on everything my dad's. <laughs> probably the He's most, a hustler. 
Most notable thing is he's one of eight people who put the lunar roving vehicle on the moon. Oh, wow. So he's a NASA scientist. Wow. Yeah. So he kind of set the bar high in nutrition, fitness. No. He pretty much ate about 90% meat, and he never really, really had a reason why. Even back then? Yeah. Because that was when it was like the food pyramid. No, no. He, he was, you know, I had like, when I was a little kid, like all other little kids, I hated vegetables, and he's just like, don't eat them. <laughs> Just forget it, you know, and, and we need to pay more attention to the instincts of children because children go to eat vegetables and they taste something that's poisonous. Literally, it's full of oxalates. Like a deer has 30,000 times the resistance to oxalates than we do. So maybe it's not fucking food for hmm. us, maybe just for the deer. But then we're surrounded by idiots who just lie about these things hmm. and say, oh, no, no, vegetables are really good for you. Like not not really what the clinical literature says hmm. in fact there was a burden of proof study that came out this year like illustrating how meat is bad for you is a theme in so many nutrition like thousands tens of thousands of nutrition and scientific papers yet there is no justification for that comment in those papers hmm. so it's just sort of a bias against it that nobody ever really explained i can explain it meat's expensive <laughs> carbohydrates are cheap so our government wants to, you know, we got 69% of America right now having their money managed by the U.S. government, whether it's welfare or I know I don't want to conflate welfare and social security. Somebody will have a fucking fit about that. But from the, from the per perspective of where is your money coming from and how yeah. is it being doled out, they're identical. So the federal government doesn't want to pay for people to eat steak every day. They need to pay everybody 25 bucks. They'd rather give them $2 so they can eat Twinkies and then tell them it's healthy. <laughs> so it's just, it's a matter of it's cheap. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be the information that will always be pushed from medical authorities. Otherwise people are going to demand more expensive food. And the, if our country can't afford it, no country can yeah, afford sure, it. Sure. Sure. So yeah, I mean, it's a shame, but yeah. nutrition is more expensive. This has obviously been something you cared about then for a really long time. If you yeah. said that this mattered to you when you were even in elementary school. Right. So did you do a bunch of athletic stuff in high school, college, yes. play sports? Yeah, wrestling, swimming, and track okay. in high school. And then in undergrad, I played rugby. Okay. Where'd uh, you go to school? Sac State. Okay. It's the number one university on Highway 50. You should tell your wife that, being from Sacramento, she'll love that. Yeah, Sac State. A big school, fun school. I wouldn't call it a party school. It was for me, though. I was going to say, I've, uh, heard, I've, heard, I've heard a couple people call it a party school. It's, yeah. it's a very fun place to yeah. be. And I, I kind of like majored in fraternity and minored in rugby. I, <laughs> I, I, I managed to get my coursework done somehow. Did you major in something like exercise business? Science? No, I majored, oh, business. no, no, no. It's funny. Like my, my father, who's a scientist, would not pay for me to have an education in anything science related. Hmm. No, he says, you need to figure out like the business side. Cause he told me I spent most of my life developing amazing technologies and the guy's got like, I don't know, 1200 patents or something like that. He said, I spent most of my life developing patents that benefited the shareholders of the companies that I worked for. Like I got paid a great salary, hmm. but wow, if I owned, yeah. Some of the intellectual property that I created for defense research laboratories or NASA or whoever else he was working for, are like, why? Yeah. Like, you be know, a little bit of a different story. Yeah. I mean, he said you'd be taking like a helicopter wherever you wanted to go. Right. And so he's like, you, you, you want to, he goes, the science stuff comes easy to you. He's talking to me. Like, mm -hmm. and he's right. Yeah. Science was always easy to me. You need to figure out business. So mm -hmm. 
major in business, and then he paid for my MBA. Great. And then it was sort of like, God, maybe I was done with my MBA six months, and my mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis. And so she told me about the medication she was prescribed, and she didn't want to take them. And I was like, oh, boy, like based on what you told me, I wouldn't want to either. Yeah. But she went from being a tenant, like she was, her things were tennis, hiking, and gardening. And she didn't want to do any of those things anymore because she was afraid she'd fracture a bone. Mm -hmm. for, for those listeners that don't know what osteoporosis is, it's the weakening of bones. The bones become more porous and therefore are more likely to fracture. So I told my mom, let me look into this. Like, because this, this seems like something that should be easier to fix and maybe not with a biochemical mm -hmm. approach. And I'm really glad, in fact, my PhD advisor told me if you had done your PhD first, you would have talked yourself out of this because mm, it's so different. Basically, I looked at who the outliers are of bone density, who has the most powerful bone. And it turns out it's gymnasts. It was a very easy population to identify. So gymnasts, they expose themselves to huge loading events, hitting the ground at sometimes 10 or 15 times their body weight. Wow. Right. Way beyond what we would get with weights. Yeah, right. Like wave magnitudes beyond. But they also retire at an average age of 19 because they get so injured. So it's like, okay, how do we get that bone loading without the risks of injury? Mm. And so that was what ultimately became osteostrong. Yeah. That, that was really like your first That was venture. my first, yeah, that was my first company, my first uh, invention. So I, I developed a series of devices that put ax. So this is the axis of a bone, put axial compression on the bone. So compress the bone from end to end, slightly distorting the bone during the stimulus, which only takes a few seconds. The bone springs back into position and now it's primed to pull in minerals and recalcify and making the bone less porous. Hmm. So more little walls go into that sort of matrix inside the bone and the bone becomes more powerful. It works for everyone who it's right for now it's not right for absolutely everybody you got to be relatively ambulatory relatively pain-free uh, move around you, oh, you okay. like like if you're in a wheelchair sure. like it, it you know you can't, can't be you can't self-compress your your femur hmm. if you have no use of your gotcha. leg muscles gotcha. like so it's very self-driven and this is would this be more preventative than no it's curative okay yeah, you can use it in a preventative manner. Like sure. there are many women who have some of the risk factors, like family members that have it, or or they were vegan for a particular period of time. Th this is really why I became such a fan of carnivore. When you look at what happens with bone, bone is destroyed by vegetables, hmm. fruits and vegetables. If you eat fruits and vegetables, you're going to have bone that is falling apart. Interesting. It needs animal protein. Just you to know, maintain it's, density? Yeah, it's, yes. And it's not just calcium. Like, in fact, calcium that you get through more kind of carnivore nutrition, the, the, cal the calcium level is high. In fact, calcium is the only mineral that your body balances itself. So the, like if you take calcium pills and you're not giving the body a reason to hang on to that mm. or to more calcium. So what happens is people do less and less activity and then they start losing bone and then they have menopause and they start losing bone even faster because of menopause. So then they're like, well, I should take calcium tablets. That actually accelerates the loss because 
the more calcium that's in the bloodstream that you're taking, the body's like, oh, we can let go some of more of it that's yeah. held within the bone. Interesting. So then it, it makes the problem even worse. Now there's conflicting research on that. Some of the some of the research on the subject they, they don't they'd rather recommend calcium just because it's the safer recommendation. Sure. But there are actually more studies that say the opposite. So now there might be higher quality studies that say calcium. But I'm like I'm not going to get caught up in that argument because you're still doing fuck all for getting the calcium to stay in the bone. You've got to stimulate the bone. It's just so, like so, a muscle. Like so if you, you can take all the protein you want and not work out, and are you going to get bigger muscles? No. Right. Same thing with bone. So, so if you, theoretically, if you were doing treatments at OsteoStrong and taking calcium, would it be more effective? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because you're actually using You're giving it. the body a reason, a reason to use it. To, yeah, yeah. Right. So just having the nutrient without the stimulus, you could be making the problem worse. Sure. sure. So, Yeah. At what point did you realize that like this was actually going to work? Like, I mean, yeah, every entrepreneur has an idea, right? But the idea is a dime a dozen. Execution is what matters. And so, when was the, when was the point where <laughs> you were true. like, yeah, I think like not only is this actually something that is that people are taking, but we actually have clinical research here that now says that this works. I knew it was going to work before I even built a prototype, hmm. but just because there was enough data that showed the loading. And the response to that loading. Gotcha. So it was. You really just had to just, figure out how like, to do the loading to me, without the risk of injury. This solution was so obvious, hmm. but things can be obvious if you really understand research and you know how to sort it and group it together correctly. Yeah. Because a lot of people read the words in the research and they can repeat a sentence here and there, but do they really know what the study's about? They don't have a clue. Hmm. And the internet is full of people talking about studies that they don't really know yeah, yeah. what it's about. And research is not really written for regular people to read. It's sure. written for other researchers to read. Right. So they can then leverage that information into further research. So, you know, I, I get it. Like, I understand the problem. Researchers could definitely do a better job trying to make the information more accessible. More digestible to, for the right, average More person. digestible to the broad population. Totally because that, yeah. ultimately, you can dazzle your researcher friends with you know, like we broke the the data up into tertiles. You mean thirds? <laughs> like, why didn't you just say third? You know what I mean? It's right. just like. It, well, what happens is the majority of the population gets their information from marketers instead of researchers. Facts, yeah. absolute fact. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do we need eight glasses of water a day? By the way, we don't. But why are we told that? I don't know. I read it in a health book when I was. It's in a lot of health books. <laughs> like it's even grade. in medical textbooks. <laughs> but you know where it came from? No. Gatorade. Oh, really? Gatorade determined that that's what people need yeah. for their marketing. And it's like, you know, are you going to drink water all day long? Or, you know, this, our drink has like yeah. a good taste to it and it has electrolytes, yeah. which is what the movie Idiocracy makes fun of the entire time sure. with the whole electrolytes thing. Yeah. Everybody was walking around in the 80s talking about electrolytes. And it's like, do you guys even know what that is? <laughs> and they're like, you know, no. I mean, it's good for you, I guess. Yeah. I have no idea what it is. All I know is this tastes really good. Right, right, right. It tastes good because it's got tons of sugar. You're drinking 38 grams of sugar. That's right. Yeah. 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 All right. So I know you might break my heart with this one, John, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Artificial sweeteners, dangers, positives, negatives. Like if you're drinking a a Gatorade versus a Gatorade Zero that has no sugar or calories. So not all artificial sweeteners are as bad as others. Okay. Now, a lot of people who look at nutrition and will land on 
carnivore, I mean, basically the people who are reading the current literature, they all come out of the same conclusion. You got to go and examine what it is that gets us to go off the rails. Hmm. And so one of the problems with artificial sweeteners, and I sell products with artificial sweeteners, Mm -hmm. though I wish it weren't necessary. Mm. Really wish it weren't necessary because it it still trains your mind that that sweet taste Mm -hmm. is something. Now, there's aspartame and sucralose are linked to cancer. And in fact, oh my God, I was on this show which I didn't realize was sponsored by Pepsi. Oh, no. And so they, they interviewed me. It was a news show, but one of their sponsors was Pepsi. And, you know, like there's certain things that the newscaster, the anchor, like they'll just cut you off. <laughs> and well, so can't say that. Can't I say that. said, right, we right. Pepsi? <laughs> because we're talking about artificial sweeteners. And I'm like, well, this is the first study that is actually look at the mechanism of cancer cells being created. And it had to do with this new type of test that they could look at lining of the stomach and how it reacted to the introduction of, of, of sucralose. And so it was the first mechanistic study which showed precancer cells being created. Mm. Now, the other ones were just like survey-based studies, epidemiology, which is very low level of evidence. And a lot of people like look at epidemiology and you know, just go. Well, it's the best we have because you can't keep a human being in a cage sure. to do a to do a nutrition study on them. Well, I mean, at least this country can't. <laughs> there, there's a couple others that uh, I was gonna say. Yet. I've, I've heard yeah. some things. <laughs> yeah, like like in in certain countries, which I won't name, they will ask you to sign up, and you will be like in like a dorm room. Oh god! And they will control everything they give you. Honestly, if people volunteer for it and they get paid for it. Yeah, and we, sure. we we we'll get a more valuable outcome out of that. Right, right. So anyway, it'll never happen in the states. So when looking at some of these epidemiological studies, these survey-based studies, it's just like, well, the problem with survey-based studies is people tell the person ask, asking the question what they think that person wants to hear, hmm. or something, or what they think might increase their status in the eyes of that person or maybe there's some there's some sort of bias yeah yeah it it leaves somebody questioning themselves and wanting to sort of like put their best foot forward which is really not like the point the point is you just want accurate data know the truth right Right. so like actually recording what people eat is way better than asking them what they ate so basically sucralose and aspartame are probably the two most most commonly used oh by the way when, when i when i said that the guy Immediately cuts me off and he says, well, just keep in mind, there are multiple studies on the subject that found that these sweeteners are very harmless, so we shouldn't make any decisions. And it's just like, hey, dude, like I wanted to say, hey, dude, I just told you why those studies are not as powerful as this new one. But, you know, do you want me here? Do you not want me here? Right. And it was like a big news station. So, all right. Yeah, Whatever. that's how it goes, right? Yeah. So which ones are, I, I, from what I've heard, Stevia would be one of the better ones? Or there's a couple Stevia that is the one I or? use in my products. Okay. It still reinforces the sweet taste, sure. But I'm not going to make, you know, a pre-workout drink taste like yeah, but yeah, just taste awful. <laughs> yeah, that like, flavor doesn't get many people. It gets some. It gets some. I mean, so, yeah, sometimes <laughs> like yeah, it, it's a problem in society is that everything needs to taste like a dessert. Yeah, like when people like you know complain about the way a supplement tastes, it's like it's a supplement. <laughs> like you should be happy it's flavored at all. 
Because if it were unflavored, like you'd be gagging while right. swallowing it. However, people just kick and scream. And mm. it's like, it's got to taste like a candy bar. Otherwise, they won't eat it. And that's like, look yeah. at how conditioned we are. Like when right. I was a little kid, candy bars were a reward. Right. Now I walk into people's homes and there's a bowl of candy bars like on the counter <laughs> and kids will just stand there and eat two or three and then, right. you know, go play video games, come back before dinner, eat two or three. Yeah. Not have any room for dinner. Not having, right. Yeah. Right. Not having room for anything, which wasn't even nutritious anyway. They probably just got pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying their parents just make them a separate meal outside of the meal that they're eating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, that didn't fly with me, man. My yeah. mom used to set a timer. She was like, she was set a timer. She's like, if the food's not done before that timer hits zero, then you're going to bed. And it was like seven o'clock. <laughs> you know, so, nice. All right, okay, well, so you finished. Guess I got to eat the food unless I want to go to bed. And there mm-hmm. were a couple times I did go to bed because I didn't want to eat the food. But yeah. you know what? Yeah. I had to learn how to cope. Probably with it when there was a the lot food, of vegetables you know? on your plate. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not eating that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so start last year strong. At what point do things really start like kicking off and going well? And tell me about the partnership with Tony Robbins and how that came about. When Tony came. Okay. Came aboard to Osteos. How did, how did you guys get connected or find out about each other? You know, he called me. Oh, really? So he was heard about it. Okay. There was a guy at this point, like how big are you as a company in terms of like locations and things like that? At the point where Tony called me, I was operating out of, you know, a room about twice this size. Okay. And in the Napa Valley, California. Okay. That's when I first started talking to Tony. Wow. And then he started really getting involved a couple of years later when we were ready to scale up. It was a little bit different company at that point, which was much better for Tony. He understood enough mm-hmm. about what I was trying to trying to say. He read my first book called Osteogenic Loading. Okay, I don't recommend that to anyone, by the way. <laughs> An adaptation of my PhD dissertation. It's like super boring. Okay, weightlifting is a waste of time. That's the book everybody should read because it. it's like it talks about the bone density and it talks about strength. It talks about nutrition. It talks about like all there's a whole section in there about falsehoods of fitness, you know, just but stuff you've been for told the your whole life. Yeah, it's designed. Yeah, yeah. Design now, I put 260 references so you can look up the studies if you want to. They're there. Okay. But I might say this study found this, which really means, you know, and I explain it in a way where like, you know, my mom would understand it. Sure. Sure. Yeah, she's not a scientific type person. So, yeah. how did you find the process of working with Tony and his team? Did, was that pretty seamless for you? Was it an enjoyable process? No, never is. Yeah, because it's you know it's like my baby. You know, like that's why, then, yeah, that's why I ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's always, so it, like people, I say that I ask the question because I think that it's important for people to like not glamorize certain parts of things. Sure. You, like a lot of people would be like, "Oh my gosh, dream come true! That's amazing." But if you're like an entrepreneur and like you said, like this isn't just yeah. something you came up oh, with in the middle of the night. It's never easy. Like, this was a pain point of yours because of, of course. a problem with your mom. And like you are giving some aspect of control to somebody else, regardless of how you want to paint the picture. So Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have a royalty deal with the company and and they're taking the technology to market. Yeah. At first it was sort of like, oh, let's, you know, like have a DJ booth there and let's make it like really fun and let's attract young people. And it's like young people don't have osteoporosis. <laughs> like, huh? They're not struggling with their bone density. Like I, we don't need to make this place the coolest place to be. Right. We're actually solving a problem. And by the way, osteoporosis kills as many people as breast cancer does. Wow. Right. 
It's wow. not as dramatic as because what happens is people have a fracture, they go to the hospital, they can't heal their fracture, they're stuck in bed because they can't move around, mm. they get pneumonia, and you know they, they die annoying. So it's it's less dramatic, but yeah. it's still death. Right, right. You have a fifty percent chance of dying if you have a hip fracture over the age of fifty. Wow. Within one year, within one year of that fracture. That's wild. Yeah, absolutely crazy statistic. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, like. Uh, there's very poor education on the subject. Also, I mean, I think the the breast cancer awareness marketing had gone really well. They get everybody in the NFL to wear pink shoes. Sure. Also, I think it's very scary for for women, whereas breasts are like you know something that females have. Right. Exclusively. I can almost. still say that yeah. on, on this podcast, <laughs> right? Because we're not in yeah. clown world yeah. right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Breast tissues typically yeah. grown on a female body. Yeah. And I say typically because I want to leave margin in there for anybody <laughs> else who wants to feel included. But the idea that this symbol of femininity can actually host something that could sure. kill someone, sure. I, I think it's just, it's a more scary thought. Yeah. But it's still the same amount of death, you know? So, but I mean, these were also and challenges. Probably with a very similar market, I'm assuming, if you want to call it a market, I'm just saying like, Women who are yeah. aging, maybe who didn't do a lot of athletic things, typically probably have not as good bone density. Is my point? Is yeah. like that that same segment of the population is going to struggle with that? Yeah, like they're yeah similar. Yeah, similar similar groups of people. Also, anyone who's had chemo or radiation destroys your bone, mm. even quicker than veganism does, which is shocking because mm. it's really bad with veganism. So the yeah, uh, twenty out of twenty studies have demonstrated that vegetarianism and veganism will cause you to have much more damaged bone density and ultimately shorter mortality. You'll, you'll mm. die younger by being a vegan because you just your bones are just so frail. Mm. You know, also they get osteonecrosis problems. You ever see a vegan bite into like a carrot and their teeth come out? Oh. This happens, you know, that's like seven years after being vegan, your skull loses attachment to its, to its teeth. So wild. Yeah, and people are like, <laughs> American Medical Association is telling you this is the healthiest thing you can do. Right. And they know better. They know that's not true. But it works out for world governments who like pushing cheap food. Sure. Mm. Do you get a bunch of people coming to you from that lifestyle at all? Or is, are they just so repelled by everything else that you say that they're not willing to listen to you on this other topic? No, I, I don't like the idea of veganism. It is malnutrition, mm. however you... But I'm not mean to vegans... Like I, I always attack the idea, not the person. Okay. Because the person is maybe just misinformed. Sure. Like it's not their fault. And and also, like, I'm a gentleman. Like, I learned that in my fraternity. You never say anything nasty about a person. You might say they're what they're trafficking in is. Well, bad. if you can't disseminate ideas, how do we know if they're correct or incorrect? Well, also ad hominem. You know, I notice that when people, what I'm most known for is not the bone density thing, it's X3, it's the muscle technology. Mm. So I can force a muscle to grow way faster than anybody who's lifting weights. That's why my second book is called Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. And I demonstrate that in the book. But people, you know, they get so upset and then they look at my scientific arguments. Well, the scientific argument is bulletproof, mm. like variable resistance. So like when I do a chest press, I hold 130 pounds here, at the bottom, in the middle, maybe 300 pounds, and then 550 at the top. And I can exhaust the musculature 
to a far greater degree and trigger much more growth mm. by doing that. And all of the studies on the subject say exactly the same thing. Like this will make you grow muscle much faster. So what, what happens is people want to attack me. They can't attack the scientific argument, so they attack me personally instead. Yeah. So they make fun of my university and say it's not accredited, which is a lie. It is. Or they'll say, well, you know, he takes steroids, which I don't, which is really easy to figure out because it's sort of like, have you ever seen a steroid user? <laughs> like, they're very different. Yeah. And all other little things. So they attack me personally. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't like your ideas. Right, because they're upset by the idea, but they know they, the, the way I've presented it is infallible. Yeah. So, you're not just like a meathead that worked out once. Right. And I'm not just a guy with an opinion. Yeah. Like, in fact, all of the claims I've ever made, I have multiple research references backing them up. So it's like, if you don't like the idea, well, you know, that's your emotions. Like, science isn't for you to like or dislike. Mm. You know, if somebody says something else is, you know, the most effective, you know, whatever. It's, it's like, it is not your place to get upset about it. Mm. You just accept it for what it is and say, well, I'm not going to do it that way. Oh, okay. Well, great. Nobody was going to force you to. Sure, sure. But don't kick and scream about a scientific finding. Right. Like that's that's the behavior of a two-year-old. But this which, documentary that I watched. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I get a lot of people. Well, not so much anymore, but people used to ask me about game changers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Every single fact in there is a lie. Yeah. Everything. It's And it's, there are many, many websites that go are through hard, man, the like, list. I, I like documentaries, but then, like you said, like they're not, most of the time, they're not just educational, like unbiased educational pieces. They're somebody's got a story, somebody's got something they want to prove. They start with the premise, of course, and then they go search for all the evidence to support the premise, and they put it into a film. Which is exactly they know the, what music they're selecting. They know what the scenes, wrong what stories they're telling. Any scientific process, of course, yeah, it, right. Start with the what conclusion. You want to start and with then the find conclusion. evidence, yeah, to back up right, what you already like, have concluded. But you know, ultimately, making a documentary is not free, right. That's the problem. Yeah. Somebody's got to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to pay for it, they got to profit from it. Yeah. Right. Like, right. same with writing a book. I get criticized for talking about <clears throat> the products I developed in my book. And it's just like, why do you think I wrote a book? Yeah. Nobody makes money off of writing books anymore. Right. Like, literally nobody. Right. I mean, Except maybe for John Grisham and. Yeah, and I was going to say uh, fiction. Yeah, you can right. make a lot of money writing fiction. Right. But if you're writing a scientific text, like. Yeah. You know, you're probably going to have baked into that text some ideas that have something to do with your business. And I don't see anything wrong with that. No. Like, no. I'm, I'm being 100% truthful in all the information I'm right. presenting. But I also have a patented product that right. goes along with all this information. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm great. sure I'm sure we'll get some amazing controversial clips out of this for you. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Uh, before we take off here, what where should people go find out a little bit more about what you got going on? Well, because my last name is so hard to spell, it's drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. Then there's links to all my social. If you're going to follow me on one thing, follow me on Instagram. I just okay. like the platform better. Great. And whenever I do something on YouTube, I always promote it. And that's on, your full name, right? On Instagram? It's Dr. Jayquish. D-R-J-A-Q-U-I-S-H. Dr. Jayquish on Instagram. Right. But you can Dr. find J. that J. through drj.com if Got you go it. to Dr. J. Doctor spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-J.com. Go check out some of the stuff uh, that John has out there. If they're go to Google Maps, search for an Austria Strong in your local area. Try to find that's right. Find one of those spots. Go in. See uh, see see if there's gotten if there's any uh, issues that maybe you could. Well, um, mostly get it's probably for your listeners, it's probably your mothers. Okay. It's probably perfect. 
Yeah, because good to know. You know, osteoporosis typically affecting you know sixteen over. Though it can it can affect younger people. It can sure. affect people in their twenties if they're super inactive. Yeah, and if they eat like basically the standard American diet. Yeah. And no, I mean I actually had a meeting at West Point not that long ago talking about how the best of the best coming into West Point are having right. osteoporosis. Oh, think about gosh. that. Yeah, teenagers, eighteen years old, wow. they have osteoporosis. So like it's becoming a much younger challenge. But yeah, for the most part. It's going to be postmenopausal population. So, you know, sure. ask your mother if she has low bone density and yeah. try and find a, an osteostrong Love location it, for her. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, Travis. Cool. Yes, sir. Right. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.